0: Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. And the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. A few years ago, when I first moved back to Greenwich, Connecticut from London, I was asked to conduct the Greenwich Women's Choir, the Westfair Singers. One of the first singers in the group that caught my attention was an African-American woman who possessed a great voice and a lot of sass and personality. If she felt I wasn't living up to my job as a conductor, she would let me know. She never held back. As I came to know her, she eventually became my voice student and my friend. One thing that has remained consistent about our relationship, she still challenges me. She is what I would call a searcher, one who is excavating all the crevices of life to find the riches, while not fearful of the negative aspects she may find. And along the road, if she feels that someone is not living up to their potential, she won't hold back. She will let them know. Today, my guest is that very woman, soprano Lynette Lyon, active musician and woman of conscience in this area. Known to many, she performs as a soloist and choir member in a variety of groups, from the Mendelssohn Choir to Schubert Club to many, many churches in Fairfield County. But now Lynette has a challenge facing her. Two years ago, after experiencing great difficulty in breathing, she was diagnosed with a rare form of thymus cancer. After an initial dramatic hospital stay where her world of friends thought they would lose her, she is now rallying with her health and with her singing. In fact, she would argue that the most striking element keeping her alive and vital is her music making. The other is her intense faith in God and belief in his power of divine intervention. She has defied death and the belief systems of her doctors. While her specialists are asking her to rest, she still sings, performing in concerts and at church several times a week. This is her choice. To Lynette, her choice to keep singing is what is keeping her alive. I have asked Lynette Lyon several times to be a guest on center stage. She was never ready until now. I visited with her at her room at the Parsonage Cottage, where she spoke intimately and honestly. She reminisced about her father, who never stopped singing, and her close-knit family. But the loss of her mother when Lynette was only 10 years old would leave her profoundly wounded. She proceeded to build an emotional wall around herself, a wall that, as she would explain later, is still being knocked down through the power of music. She feels that when she sings, she is one step closer to her mother. Let's hear Lynette speak about her angels and her diagnosis.
1: I contemplate things privately for myself. I don't usually talk about them, you know. know. And I just, I don't know. I I was thinking about this last night, and I thought, you know, I don't know if I really have something that will seriously inspire someone as much as it inspires me.
0: Yeah, but that's valid. What inspires you, you, darling? I mean, that's what uh, allows some of the rest of us to go on living for.
1: Yeah. Don't you think? True, yeah. I mean, I, I, there have been many people that have inspired me in my life. and I mean, some of them I couldn't even. They've been like angels. I call them my angels because I don't remember their names. was diagnosed, um, and I could, I don't know how to explain it, but I didn't get sad about the diagnosis, you know, I guess I had no time, <laughs> there was no time to get sad, um, there was no time to question it, I just went, okay, you know, that's what I have, they told me the treatment that I was going to have, but immediately it was like the prayer started, and I could... People were pray people that I didn't even remember or or actually know I found out were praying for me. Mm-hmm. And all of these I mean, people people don't understand the the emails and the thoughts and the the prayers, even though I didn't see a lot of them, I felt them. Mm-hmm. Especially the prayers. I, I felt them. And there were people who were telling me that it's not your time.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Um,
0: did that make you happy? Or did it, did it have an effect? I don't know if it had
1: an effect that I can really explain right now. But I, I remember an incident in the hospital um, where... The doctors would come in early in the morning, Yeah, and sometimes I had to be awakened. Mm-hmm. But this one particular morning, I wanted to be up for the doctor. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, I, I was helped out of bed, and I was sitting in, in my lounge chair, and I had my blankets over me and all. And I was just thinking. I was thinking. I said, "No, what can I ask the doctor?" And I said, "I said, God, what can I really do? I don't understand. I don't understand this, in the sense that my life felt like it was out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. I felt all the time. I felt in control of what I was doing, <laughs> and now, at this moment, I didn't have any control. Mm-hmm. Um." Every, everything was being done for me, mm-hmm. and if you know me, I like to do things myself. Exactly. Um, and I'm private in that fact. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't um, like to um, place my burden onto someone else. Mm-hmm. So if I don't have something, you would never know I don't have it. Um, and I'm going to do something so that I, I'll be able to get it.
0: Absolutely. For those of us who know you, we know that very well about you, my dear Lynette.
1: But I couldn't do this now,
0: right? I, I, there, there was
1: nothing. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that I could do, and I, and I was contemplating. And I said, "I just don't have a handle on this. Right, right. What can I do?" So when, and then I thought about it. My God, if if I die now, what do I do? And there was nothing. So when the doctor came in and she said, do you have any questions or concerns <laughs> <coughs> after you know going through my diagnosis with me? And I said, yes, I do. I said, for the first time in my life, I feel helpless in the sense that I don't know what to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, I'm used to finding a solution for, that fits me. Right. I might not fit someone else, but it fits me. I'm used to Going out and, 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 and getting what I need, even if it's less, or if I don't have enough for it, working something out. I said, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that now. <laughs> what do I do? And I, I couldn't believe it, because I was sitting, and my doctor was to the side, and she came in front of me and knelt down, literally knelt down, and looked up at me, and I said, "Wait a minute! This is a doctor doing this." Her human—they not that doctors are not human; they are, mm-hmm. but they always they, they they Some doctors leave you with the sense of "I'm here and you're there." Exactly
0: mm-hmm.
1: is what I feel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a boundary. Yeah, but with this, with this doctor there was no boundary beautiful you know she knelt before me literally and said and she said that i think she's i think she said i'm not sure we need we need help sometimes we need help
2: mhm
1: she's And she said that we have people here that you can talk to if you should talk to them. Um, And so, for the first time in my life, I contemplated death because I said, Well, will I die from this? And how long? And she said that I'm not God.
0: And I wouldn't want to speculate that. She's just an angel. She She was an angel, you. And really relates to you, heart heart to soul. Yes. That's, yeah. that's rather amazing, Lynette. And You're so fortunate to have her. And I know
1: this. I, I was like, I was...
0: my God. But it sounds to me like she really understood what you were asking at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing to have, uh, you know, the death knoll really ringing. Yeah. Know, when the, yeah. the doctors give you the diagnosis. And you go, oh, okay. Because all of us are in shock. All of us are in a state of denial, you know, right, right. when we're given the C word, Right. and it's very hard to take in, and as you say, a couple of days, a couple of weeks go by, and suddenly, wait, I've got questions, wait, we're, we're coming to an awakening here, mm-hmm. and she saw that happening in you, from the sound of it. Yeah,
1: it was quite, it was, that was an extraordinary moment for me, because, um, but, I mean, every moment I had at that hospital was extraordinary, in the sense that I later... I never read the the transcripts. I had a friend who was just wonderful and would email everyone, and everyone else knew Mm -hmm. what my diagnosis was, but I really didn't. And
0: sometimes,
1: (laughs) I think that was a godsend that I I didn't know. I think so, too. I think it really was a godsend that I I didn't know, um, because... I probably would not have had the strength to really press on. Maybe mm-hmm. I would have. Mm-hmm. But I didn't challenge it.
0: But I said in the beginning you're a searcher, you're always <laughs> pressing on. You know, so You know, so many people who have been given the diagnosis of a cancer and certainly the cancer that you have is rather unusual
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's quite serious and so many people would plunge into a state of either remorse or anger. Have you found yourself at, at either of those altars uh, at all?
1: I've never been angry. That's wonderful. I can I can literally say I have not been angry um, about this. Um, I've contemplated, I've thought about the death. Um, okay. And then I've let it go. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that I've ignored it. Mm -hmm. I haven't ignored it. I realize and I know now that um, I can die from this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes I get really smart, as they say. Not book smart, smart. You know, and on the, on the thing like, yeah. oh yeah, we're all going to die anyway. So,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, I think that way. But I just believe that um, it is scary. Sometimes I, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm very frightened by it. But there's so much positivity coming into me. Mm-hmm. From other places,
0: right? As you, as you, you know, r- recall about your angels and your leagues of friends, you have, yeah. and of course, the bottom line, your faith and your singing.
1: Yes, yes.
0: If I, l-
1: honestly, if they would have told me that I could not sing anymore, I, I would be dead today. Would you have given up? I would have given up. Yeah. I would have given up because that 's what 's important to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: singing is, is it um really is my um it 's your bliss my bliss and i it makes me close to my god and your mom and my mom you know so if i ever if I were ever told that i couldn't do it anymore, there would be nothing for me there real there literally wouldn't be anything for me. I mean, I, I I love my I love my friends. I love the people that I'm with. I I love where I'm living now. I prayed for a place like this. And you got it. And I got it. Yeah. It's bright. The sun comes in. Um, I see everything with light. Light. That's... I don't like the darkness.
0: Right. That. Oh, that's wonderful. So you know, wonderful. I see
1: every everything with light, and um, even though darkness tries to creep in. I try to find something positive it's like I was listening to um, Joel Osteen the other day and um, he was talking about his mother who was cured from cancer and um, he was saying how we have to um, speak the word and see ourselves living you know Mm -hmm. see ourselves living and, and so That's what I. That's what I try to do. I try to see myself as as I try to see the light coming
0: in. I was just going to ask you that. Try to see the light coming into the cancer. Yeah,
1: and I don't like the if something is is I don't I tend to try to stray from negativity, but sometimes negativity is around us. Of course, you know. So my my way of dealing with it is that before I go to sleep at night, I always ask. If I've done wrong to someone without knowing it, I ask to be forgiven forgive. for that. Mm-hmm. I forgive myself and then I forgive whomever is, has sent me something wrong. Not that I may not even know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I may not even know, but if the, the thought was there that it was a negative thought, I ask to forgive that person or persons or whatever. And then I'm able to go to sleep. So I try, I try to make, without being sappy, my life positive and and love and thinking of, and love i try to leave a place and i leave it with love i know that if i when i come when i leave this room i always place a lot of love around myself before i walk out that door right
2: right
1: so that whatever happens i exude love
0: that's, that's a beautiful thing.
1: And that's what I try to do. do. You
0: know, what's really interesting about the singularity of dealing with disease, and I'm, I'm going to say the phrase, living with cancer, because you are. Mm-hmm. You're not in denial. You're, you're definitely breathing that light in and coping, is that you have that and this beautiful room at the parsonage. It's like a little apartment, which you've made your own. There, There's your special light in here, there's no doubt. And your creation of space for your seeing, so you have nothing else really to focus on, right? Other than you know cleaning house, so to speak, in your own mind and your heart, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's really taking responsibility. I love it. So, this thymus cancer that you have, Mm -hmm. this this is complicated, isn't it? And it's and it's quite rare.
1: My understanding is that it's rare.
0: And I believe that you have multiple tumors, and mm-hmm. it has affected your breathing. Yes. That's what brought you in. Yes. So, again, you're a master at breath control, being a singer. And here you are, beset with this challenge, to almost try and take it away from you. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it,
1: <laughs> it's really something, because... Um, that was the whole thing that took me into the hospital, was the breathing. That's right. But yet, bef- before I even went to the hospital, I had concerts and I was overcoming with the breathing. The beauty of making
0: music. Yes. The strength of the body. Yeah. The body will always take care of itself if it can. Mm-hmm. And thank God you got to the hospital when you did. Yeah. So That's al- exactly what the doctor said. <laughs> so along the way... <laughs> Along the way, um, your doctors have said to you, you need to take it easier. And that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to sing, you can't stand while you sing. There's, there's right. some rules here. because I, had, the, I
1: do. I, I do have some rules. If I, because it's very, it's, singing is very taxing. That's right. And um, I've had to learn a different way, you know, for sitting. But then I thought, when they told me that I had to sit...
0: Sit um, and sing. Sit and sing. Mm-hmm.
1: I was a little frustrated with that because I'm so used to feeling the ground in my feet. Of course. You know, and, and being there and feeling feeling all of that and being strong. I feel like you're strong when you're standing on your feet. You're strong. That's right. And you're grounded as a singer to be able
0: to use your entire body.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And to sit and do it. But then I thought, you know, I worked with Marjorie Lawrence some time ago, um, one summer, and... um. She sat. Really? She she had polio, oh, and she sang at the Met. And for a while, I, I'm not sure. I don't think I'm not sure how long she sang after she was diagnosed with polio. But she they did make like a seat or something for her, and she sat and sang how opera.
0: Incredible.
1: You know, and there's a, f- a film. Oh, I don't remember the name of it, but um, I think she was Australian and she did that Aussie song. Uh, I can't remember it now. She went around singing, but she sang sitting down. Huh. And when I went to study with her, she had she she and her husband, who was a doctor, had um, I think it was five or six white German shepherds,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they were all. Um, Given uh, operatic names, Siegfried, you know, from Wagnerian operas, (laughs) and they would watch her. Absolutely, they would watch her, and I watched her. And when I was told that, I thought about her, and I thought about the strength that um, she had. I mean, um, and just her personality. Right, right. Um, And she was beating the odds. She was. And I thought, well, you know, you can do this. <laughs> you can do this. There are times. There are sometimes when I do, when I do stand.
0: But I know that I can't stand it's, for an entire concert. It's taxing on the heart. It isn't is taxing, it? And, and we're going to protect, protect you as long as we can to be able to <laughs> sing, my dear, and live your gifts. You know, I, I know. It's, I know that it's taxing, but sometimes I push the
1: button. Um, that's just the way I am. I like to push the button. I
0: know about you. Uh. That's right. <laughs> and you're not going to stop, and this is what is keeping you alive.
1: It is, yeah.
0: Tell me, because I know you are so devoutly faithful, <clears throat> do you think that God's plan for you contained the, this cancer path? Have you, have you thought about that?
1: You know, I've thought about it, and I've not thought about it. But I feel that God has a plan, that there was a plan for me um, from the beginning, Mm -hmm. as we all have a plan in the beginning. Um, The plan was not to be a concert pianist, but the plan was to find a way to get into music. Mm -hmm. The piano helped. The plan was, I think, (sighs) the plan was for me to find my journey. Mm -hmm. Had I not left home or had I not been sent to live with my uncle I would not have found my journey because I would have stayed home with the promise of taking care of my you brothers would have dutifully and
0: sisters taking care of everyone else I would, have.
1: I would I I I I realize that now and you know um it's difficult to explain because some people say, "Well, why didn't you do that? Why you could have done that too?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that I could have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I truly, I truly think that God placed me with this family, with with my family, and we and all my siblings, and we were together for a while. We had a beautiful mother. Who taught us? Who taught us well? Mm -hmm. And then, it was her. That that was her journey. And then she left, and we went our separate ways, but still stayed together.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. There was a bond there that he took us our separate ways to to be on our journeys, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but yet that thread but still there holding us together. And that's what keeps us together today.
0: that's, that's such a beautiful thing. Listen, I, I know I've heard you say that you've ne- never said, Why me? You know, what would you say to someone else if, um, if, if they're beset with the same issue with cancer? And they're actually asking that question. That, let's say they don't have this wonderful faith that you have. And they're asking continually, why me? Which leaves them, you know, in this place of of utter frustration. Mm. Could could you could you relate to that? Do you have any words for any of our listeners who might be in that position? That's crazy,
1: but then I would say, why not me? <laughs> you know, um, I always felt that We all have a cancer in us. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because cancer is a negativity. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes out to see how we can override that negativity. Right. Right. You know? And people say, well, the person person died from this. Well, yeah. We all, not to sound corny, but I mean, we all have to die, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Because that
1: brings in new... It brings in something new. Mm-hmm.
2: That's
1: right. The earth, the earth gets dead. New earth comes. Mm-hmm. A tree dies. A new tree it's comes. A life and death sequence. Yes. So it's a life and death sequence. Um, but it's what you do on that path. Right. It's what you do on the path. I mean, yes, I can literally say I'm dying. But as Shakespeare said, I was dying the day I was born.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I came into this earth. I breathed life. Life was breathed into me. And I started to die that same day
2: mm-hmm.
1: because of growth and knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's what you... I think it's... When you said legacy to me the other day, I thought, yes, I have no children. So that's not a like part of my legacy. But then again, I thought about it. I said, no, but I do have children. You bet. Because I have children that I have taken care of, and instilled something, I hope, instilled something positive in them. And so they're my my legacy. They're my, even though they're not my birth child, Mm -hmm. they're still my child. Mm -hmm.
0: All of us have been affected by cancer in some way, whether personally or through a friend or family member. All of us recognize the pain of the disease. I admire Lynette Lyon for her ability to look at cancer and face it, to say, okay, we are going to live together, but I'm not going to let you stop me from singing. I hope that this interview has touched the souls of many listening. But most importantly, I hope that those who are living with cancer have found some inspiration and healing in Lynette's words. Please tune in next week for part two of this fascinating interview. Lynette Lyon is the woman who does not hold back she is living her bliss with every breath that she can take. Lynette chose our opening music today, This Little Light of Mine, sung by the great Leontine Price, because it is the rule by which she lives. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage.